Today's episode is brought to you by the Cherry Marketing Institute, an organization funded by North American growers and processors of Montmorency tart cherries. Montmorency tart cherries have been the subject of lots of research, and to date, more than 50 studies have shown the potential benefits of the Montmorency varietal, ranging from inflammation and exercise recovery to sleep. Check out the Cherry Marketing Institute website to learn more, www.choosecherries.com, and enjoy our episode. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. Welcome, everyone, to episode 126 of No Meat Athlete Radio. I'm Matt Frazier, joined by Doug Hay, and today we're talking about exciting, fascinating food trends. Gotta love the food trends, Matt. Yeah, I know you're always on top of the latest trend. I am just such a news watcher and and Twitter user and Facebook aficionado that I never miss a trend. Never, never miss a trend or a pop culture. No, and I know everything about politics that there is to know. I'm really (laughs) just the source of all things current. Did you know that it snowed outside? I did know that. Okay, because that's my good. Kids we're home, <laughs> right? Uh, and because I went outside. Hey, speaking of snow, I wore New Balance shoes out there, the ones that are totally rain and weatherproof. Oh yeah, because I don't have snow boots. I just I don't know. It doesn't snow that much here, mm-hmm. and I just found them and put them on, and they were perfect. They didn't get a bit wet. My feet got a little cold. Wow. But as I, I was kicking myself, I was like, I should have just remembered these during the hundred miler. Like yeah, because the mud totally ruined that day. I mean, it was a great day still, but that's cool. I know. They're really nice. I just wish I would have had them for that. I don't know why I didn't think to bring them. You know, really... I'm kind of surprised that those made it through the throwing out. I kept them as my only trail shoes. I had another old pair, and I said, I don't need these if I have these ones that will work all the time, uh-huh. whether it's rainy or nice out. There you go. Cool. I don't run trails enough to you know need a, a, a more casual pair like you do. Right on. So anyway, uh, yes, I am not actually the expert on food trends, but I did ask a couple friends. I asked you, Doug Hay, about ultramarathon trends, given that you're a little maybe more uh, more on the ultramarathon circuit than I am. Yeah, hip to the scene. You wear trucker hats and things like that. Uh-huh. Uh, asked my friend Stephanie, who actually is going to be the co-author and uh, chef on a new No Meat Athlete cookbook, which I have maybe hinted at a few times here, but I haven't really announced it. I haven't quite yet actually signed the deal, but it's it's all in the work, so it's happening. Uh, more to come on that as soon as we do actually sign the deal. But she helped me. She's she's way on top of this stuff in a way that I am not and could never hope to be. Uh, so she gave me a bunch of ideas too, and I looked them up and figured out some good things to talk about. So I'm excited to talk about these trends. Yeah, these are, these are going to be fun. Most of them I'm pretty familiar with. Some are a little even new to me, but uh, having done a little research on all of them, it, it, I'm amazed at how much hype there is around some of these that I've never heard of before. Yes. And just in case that's not enough to get you, keep you listening, I have a really, really good vegan bacon recipe. And right it's on. so simple. And my dad came here this past week, and he loves bacon. He's he's a paleo-type guy, and uh, just could not believe how good this bacon was. So that was a win Well, cool. Me. Well, I'm excited to try I, that. Yeah. I'm excited to share it. All right, so let's go. Trend number one, uh, pickle juice. You told me about this one. I had never really heard of this as being a thing. Uh, but then I actually got an email from someone asking if they should be carrying pickle juice around with them while they run and uh, realized that this is a trend. So what's the deal with pickle juice? Ultramarathon start line drink? Yeah, you know, I think it it might have started as an ultramarathon thing, uh, but it's definitely people are bottling it and, and selling it as for any sort of endurance races. I think that uh, I think it's been popular in the Ironman scene for a while. Okay. Um, 
the, from what I understand, it, it helps to prevent uh, cramps, or if you have a cramp, it'll get rid of a cramp. And from what I can tell, that you know, there are a few things that in pickle juice, right? There's lots of sodium, there is water, obviously, and and vinegar. And so, the sodium, of course, is good if you're running long distances and you're sweating a lot and you need some electrolytes. Water is good for hydration, and then the vinegar. I don't really know what it does, but apparently it's uh, it's been a it's you know people are linking it to this preventing and and stopping uh, cramps. Well, I mean vinegar is is a fermented food itself, right? And right. I think it also helps to ferment foods. I honestly am not an expert on fermentation of foods, but obviously they're they're you know they're they themselves are a health trend. Fermented foods, yeah. Um, so I think that's that's part of this as well. Although I don't honestly know that a lot of the pickles that you buy in stores are really truly fermented in the way that fermented foods are, hmm. right? Because there's different ways to make pickles. Sure. I know you can make some in your refrigerator that take half an hour, and certainly right. they're not fermented. Right. Um, but I don't know if everything that you buy actually is in terms of pickles. Well, but it would be the juice, not the not the pickle itself. Yeah, I was just thinking maybe it's sort of the whatever bacteria are that oh, are good that that would be in the in the juice as well. I have a feeling that's actually not the case. I don't really know. But, I mean, I think it's just it's harder to sell really truly fermented foods in the United States, you know, they go, yeah. they undergo pasteurization and all that sure. stuff. Uh, pickle juice always seemed to me like, before this was a trend, and I was a kid, I just thought, if I could imagine the worst possible drink in the world, that would be it. <laughs> like, I would eat pickles and love them, yeah. and then what would left would be the jar, and I would imagine, what if you had to drink that juice? That would just, right. you, you would vomit, and I couldn't do it. But yeah. uh, Well, I mean, I've seen it at aid stations where you can pour yourself a little shot of the pickle juice. I have now seen that they bottle in a little mini shot size bottles that you can throw in your pack um and you know the the, the only time i've ever drank pickle juice was a pickleback you know what a pickleback is no you take a shot of whiskey and then you immediately follow it with a <laughs> shot of, of pickle juice and it it tastes so good really <laughs> yeah i'm not really a pickle guy but it's a good way to drink yeah, a shot I of whiskey that. and and i could even believe that it probably tastes good or strange things taste good when you're 50 miles into an ultra marathon. I mean, right. You just salty right. stuff tastes like the best thing in the world. Sure. You haven't had a lot of it. Yeah. So I could see myself enjoying it in that uh, situation, especially if it's only a shot of it and not like a whole water bottle full of it. No, I don't think that many people are, are telling you to do that, but maybe, I don't know. <laughs> okay. So that's pickle juice. Uh, seems like a pretty valid trend. I mean, if, if people like it, I mean, it makes sense that it would, right. The ingredients in it seem like, yes, that makes, that sounds like a good sports drink. Absolutely. Doesn't have sugar in it, but I mean, I guess that maybe there's a little bit of that. Yeah, because you use sugar in pickling. So it'll probably have a small amount of sugar, mm-hmm. but not enough to really be like a carbohydrate drink by any no, means. No, All right, good. So the Doug Hay stamp of approval on pickle juice. Yes, right? Sure, yeah. <laughs> okay. I see nothing wrong with it. That's <laughs> All right, sure. good. Uh, second one you might have something wrong with, and that is bone broth. Yeah, From an ethical I'm, standpoint, if nothing else. No no stamp of approval on the bone broth. <laughs> Automatically, no. Automatically. What if it turns out to be this miracle product that can cure cancer and everything else? Well, I guess then we have a vegan dilemma, right? That, and then we that, have a vegan that, dilemma. That would be an yeah. issue. Okay, but that's not the case, I don't <laughs> think. Uh, bone broth is popular. I know it's definitely popular among athletes. I've heard of, of athletes talking about it as this great, I guess, recovery drink. Um, I Honestly, I obviously haven't done it myself, um, being vegan. But it's it's not. it goes beyond endurance. It's also just people are thinking of it as a health food. And I think this has come... Um, kind of on the coattails of the paleo trend, right? I mean, it just, it seems like, I, I just think if you, if you can, if you're buying into paleo and, and you're, 
associating meat with health and eating what cavemen ate with health, then to think of boiling the bones of these animals and creating this broth. And by the way, boiled for a long time. So that we were talking about what is the difference between bone broth and just regular like beef stock or something. From what I could find, it's that bone broth is boiled for at least eight hours. So the, the, the gelatin from the bones um, seeps into the liquid and it will actually solidify at cold enough temperature, which I don't think uh, typical beef broth would unless it was like freezing temperature. Right. So that's that's one difference. And I, I guess I can... I can understand why why that would seem like a good nourishing thing, right? You think back to like grandmothers making some sort of chicken soup and sure. I don't know. So I can see why people would think, yes, that sounds like a great idea. Um, but, oh, and, of course, and apparently Kobe, Kobe Bryant uh, claims drinking bone broth fixed his ruptured Achilles tendon. Oh, wow. And apparently made him not be able to make any shots either this year. <laughs> so so. <laughs> um, so that I just that's from a, an article that I saw a long time ago on motherjones.com called Enough Already with the Bone Broth Hype. And I don't mean to be like not giving this a chance. I fully admit that this article probably caught my attention specifically because it was what I wanted to hear, right? I mean, I, I got sick of all these people talking about bone broth, and that's a tongue twister, bone broth. Got sick <laughs> of people talking about that. Saw this one on social media. Actually, I saw this one from examine.com. I think they sent me it. Really good site, by the way. Very neutral in the way they examine things. Um, but in this one, they go through like the claims. What are the what are the general claims about bone broth? Uh, they are like such as science has shown that bone broth is good for you. The collagen in bone broth is good for your joints. The glutamine in bone broth can cure your leaky gut. Drinking bone broth will make you look younger. Bone broth is a natural <laughs> way to detox your liver. Bone broth can cure a cold. Bone broth is cheap to make regularly at home, and bone broth tastes good. So there's all these things. Uh, they basically debunk the first seven of those. They, the taste good ones, they can't really debunk. They, they say, yes, it does taste good. Uh, but I don't know. It just, I, I honestly don't know if it's good or bad. Of course, like everything else, there's conflicting information out there. Uh, some people want it to be good. Some people don't want it to be good. And unfortunately, people will present the information that, that suits their uh, their their cause, what they're trying to do. And I mean, in some way, that's what we're doing here, right? We're, we're making fun of it. Yeah. <laughs> so right. Uh, but so 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 as a vegan who's not going to try this, um, even if it is good for me, you know, is there is there any any way that we can mimic the benefits? There at all? is, Doug. It's almost as if that was premeditated. Like you knew that that I had told you before that there was going to be a vegan bone broth recipe in the new Nomi cookbook. Almost as if that was the case, <laughs> but you know, funny it wasn't. No, it was just <laughs> that was really strange how that happened. <laughs> uh, yes. So. Steph, who I mentioned is my friend and very, very excellent vegan chef, um, has come up with, with a vegan version of bone broth that, you know, of course, doesn't have the gelatin in it. But uh, she, she claims kind of has, has she's reverse engineered it and created all these all the good benefits of it in a vegan product. Is that true? I don't really know. But it's <laughs> something that is probably fun to drink and probably tastes good and probably seems like you're drinking bone broth if that is your desire. Okay. So that's uh, that's number two. Doug has already given that not his stamp of approval. So that's that's a loser. Uh, number three, bacon. Bacon's another one that I added to this list, having seen it become wildly popular at ultramarathon aid stations and even shorter distance trail running trail race aid stations. Um, you know, it's it's like everyone has bacon now at their at the at the aid stations. It's very interesting, and I think that I you know I don't think that anyone's claiming the health benefits of bacon. Right? No, uh, people are. I saw a book called uh, "Eat Bacon, Don't Run, Get Healthy" or something like that. 
<laughs> so really? <Yeah. laughs> my dad bought it actually. Oh my god. <laughs> Um, okay, so maybe a, a few people are claiming the health benefits of bacon, but for the most part, people, uh, I don't think, are doing that. And I don't think that they're doing that at these aid stations either. But I think there is something to why it's become so popular, and that's that right now everyone is, is eating these energy gels and these drinks and all of these super high-sugar, sweet energy products, right? And if you're out there for a long time and if you're just – pounding gel after gel or date or energy drink after energy drink, you know, it's that sweetness can be the thing that just is repulsive to you, right? Sure. Anything else sweet. So so having something fatty and salty and kind of the opposite of anything like an energy gel and crispy, textured, you know, oh there's it's completely different, right? Yep. And so I think that's the that's the draw and that's the benefit towards or mental benefit anyway yeah, for the baby. Totally. And I think I mean, there are there are people, as you know, ultra runners who uh, believe in this ketogenic diet thing sure. that wouldn't eat sugar at all during a race, and they mostly only eat fat. Right. So bacon, of course, has some protein, and I don't know what what role protein p- plays in that ketogenic diet uh, or, or ketogenic sports nutrition plan, I guess. Um, but certainly, the fat is there, and, and I could see someone who I think people I've seen people do jerky and things like that on mm-hmm. on races um, because they want the fat, they don't want any sugars, they don't want really carbohydrate. Uh, yeah, and that's that's it. so. I mean, even if it wasn't a case of getting sick of dates or other sugars, and then needing something sweet or, or salty and crunchy, uh, could be someone who's just basing their nutrition strategy around foods like bacon. Sure. So, uh, yeah, and of course, I mean, it, it's a new trend in the ultra marathon world, which is why, and other races too, which you said, which is why we're including it here. But obviously, it's also like a mega food trend that's been around now for yeah a decade or fifteen years. I mean, people years. people have bacon everything. Yeah, you know? every possible bacon thing there is. Right. Like bacon ice cream is is no longer like funny. It just it just that's, that's right. ice cream flavor, right? And, right. and chocolate covered bacon and yeah, no longer are these shocking things. They're just regular food. No. <laughs> so um, I I always liked bacon. I thought it was delicious. I mean, who doesn't? Right. That's why it's so popular. It, it tastes salty, fatty. We're programmed to like things that taste like that. Sure. Uh, so that that is a taste that I have sort of missed since becoming vegetarian and then vegan. There, my sister made an old bacon recipe uh, on No Meat Athlete that I think it's – I have no idea what the name is. I'm not even going to try But we'll put a link to that one in the show notes. If you look up No Meat Athlete Vegan Bacon, you'll find that one in Google. Uh, that has some – I think some azuki beans in it and a little bit complicated recipe but made some pretty good bacon that worked on like a, a BLT as a vegan BLT. Um, so that's one. However, recently I've been exposed to other types of vegan bacons. I've seen coconut bacon before. Oh. People take shreds of coconut and do something to it, and it turns out sort of like bacon. Right. However, the other day I made shiitake bacon, which I might have had before, but had it for the first time made at home. And it tastes remarkably like bacon. Like, you, almost I can't tell the difference. Wow. It's shocking. Very, very simple recipe. How do you make it taste like bacon? I think it's because shiitakes have that umami flavor in them, right. which for those who don't know is one of, I guess, the fifth flavor, the bitter, sweet, sour, or salty, and, and now umami is this whatever, it, richness that, that you just don't get in a lot of vegan foods, unfortunately. Uh, I think bacon probably has umami as well. I know soy sauce does. Uh, it, it's hard to describe it, and I, I'm not the person to try. But uh, Seaweed? Doesn't seaweed have that flavor? I don't honestly know. Not to me. I hate seaweed. It tastes terrible. But, I might uh, be wrong about that. No, it might have. I don't know. Or maybe you're just mixing up that with 
seaweed sounding names that sound like umami. <laughs> right? Maybe. It's possible. <laughs> uh, okay. But anyway, so there's a recipe. This is from Chloe Coscarelli's book, Vegan Italian Kitchen. My wife got me this for Christmas because I was, I was angry that I didn't like cooking that much anymore. I have lost a lot of my passion for cooking since going vegan, and I know people hate when I say that because a lot of people have found exactly the opposite. But I used to be really into cooking Italian food, so Aaron got me this book, and uh, I have enjoyed it. It's a good book. Not an amazing book, but pretty good. It's nice to have some of these Italian recipes. But this uh, shiitake bacon, which goes in like a pasta carbonara, uh, is amazing. So I'm not going to like plagiarize the recipe in verbal format here, but I will summarize it for you. Uh, you take a pound of shiitake mushrooms, quarter cup of olive oil, salt to taste, and pepper to taste. Do those things, put it in the oven for at 375, and when I do it, it takes like 20, 25 minutes. You want it to be crispy. You're kind of tossing and turning it a lot during mm-hmm. that time just to not get it burnt. Uh, but just gets to the barely point of crispy like bacon does, and let it cool, drain it on some napkins, and you have bacon. I, you know, I've had shiitake bacon at Plant, the uh-huh. restaurant here in Nashville. Yep. Um, and and thought it was very very good. I that I had that exact same experience, and somehow this was better than that. Huh. Which I'm surprised. I mean, it's such a basic recipe, and Plant is so good. Right. I, I would think that they would have that down, but maybe they made it days ahead of time or hours ahead of time or who knows what, and yeah. they just kind of pulled it out. I don't know. But this was so good. So. If you do nothing else, well, I'm not going to say that because we do have a sponsor here. <laughs> but I was going to say, if you do nothing else from this thing, um, make vegan bacon, but also drink tart cherry juice. Yeah. <laughs> if you do nothing else, those two things. And just uh, just a quick shout out. We talked about jerky. Yes. Um, uh, so there for a few weeks, the ad uh, that was on this podcast uh, talked about me ordering vegan jerky. Uh, well, I, I just want to report, and as several people have tweeted at me to ask if I ever got that vegan jerky, um, I did, and it was delicious. It's by the Louisville Jerky Company. Okay. And it's all vegan. They make all the jerky they make is vegan, and it is freaking delicious. It's way better than any other vegan jerky that primal I've had. Primal strips better than that? Way better than primal strips. not too good. No. Not a fan of the primal <laughs> strips. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. So it's called Louisville Jerky Company? Yep. And all their jerky is vegan, or is that just their vegan No, variety? all their jerky is vegan. Good. Okay. And nice. they have several different flavors. I like it. I'm a, I'm a jerky fan. I will try that. All right. Let's do an ad, huh? Let's do it. We've got a sponsor here. That sponsor, as you know, is Tart Cherry or the Cherry Marketing Institute. Thank you, Cherry Marketing Institute, for sponsoring today's episode. This organization is funded by growers and processors of Montmorency tart cherries in North America. When you choose this homegrown superfruit, not only are you supporting small family orchards in the U.S. and Canada, but you're choosing a cherry with a unique nutrient profile. In fact, there are more than 50 studies exploring the potential benefits of the Montmorency varietal, ranging from inflammation and exercise recovery to sleep, which are benefits unique to this variety of cherry. Matt, did you know that a growing number of elite athletes and everyday exercisers are incorporating Montmorency tart cherries in their training routines, as they've been shown to help reduce strength loss and aid recovery after extensive exercise? Montmorency tart cherries are available year-round in dried, frozen, juiced, and concentrate forms, and you can find them at your local grocery store. Go check them out and learn more about their benefits on www.choosecherries.com. Thanks again to the Cherry Marketing Institute for sponsoring this episode. All right, which brings us to our fourth food trend, and that is one that is brand new to me called Switchel. Doug, you know about Switchel, right? 
being an Appalachian boy. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's from Vermont, actually. Well, I guess I mean, that's in the Appalachians, but not the Southern Appalachians. Yeah, not down here. Uh, okay, so you you don't know about Switchell. Uh, you know, much. I mean, not really. No, not, Switchell not much one, about Switchell. I don't either. It was also introduced to me by Stephanie. Uh, what I know of it is that it used to be, it was kind of like the first sports drink, that the farmers would, would drink Switchell. Um, apparently it originated in the Caribbean, huh. but sounds like it moved to the American colonies. Uh, farmers would, would drink it at hay harvest time. Okay. Which you should know about. <laughs> hay. Yeah, that's right. Uh, hence the nickname. Harvest hay Haymaker's Punch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is Haymaker's Punch is what it is nicknamed. And uh, I like this. I mean, I haven't had it. I like the idea. Water, vinegar, sometimes ginger, sweetened with some sort of sweetener. I think honey is kind of a traditional one, um, according to Wikipedia. Also, sugar, brown sugar, or maple syrup will, you, will work, uh, or molasses. So, oatmeal, lemon juice also included. Uh, I don't know about oatmeal. That doesn't sound too good in there. But um, So, I mean, I think all those things sound delicious to me, and I could see that coming together in the form of a nice... Almost like, I don't know, sort of chia fresca-ish drink where yeah. it's not really sweet. Um, not not the type of sports drink, as we mentioned before, in the case of pickle juice. Not the type where it, it's just like going to be your sorts of calories. Right. But where it's kind of giving you a bunch of other stuff, um, including vinegar, again, in this case. A uh, little bit of sweetness. I think there's like I mean, electrolytes and things like that are in lemon juice. I don't know that they are in anything else included here in Switchell. Uh, so just, uh, you know, one of these kind of low-key sports drinks that are very, very natural. Sounds appealing to me. I haven't tried it. You haven't either, I'm guessing. No, I haven't. Um, you know, I have a note here about vinegar, actually, which would go back to that pickle juice. We were talking about what vinegar might do. And that the note is that, that vinegar helps, uh, your triggers your muscles to relax. And maybe that's why it reduces uh, cramps. Yeah, there you go. Sounds like a perfect explanation. Yeah, I wonder which came first, the switchel or the chia... chia water <laughs> i don't know that, that's a very good question i would imagine the chia water since that was from uh like aztec times so so we can't claim switchel as being the first energy drink <laughs> <laughs> no i guess we can't um but when has that ever stopped us right <laughs> that's right <laughs> no this one this one does sound really interesting do you know i mean uh, do you know people are are making it and bottling yes, it or they are. are they okay there is an actual commercial switcher you can buy and i think there are many oh, more coming it, it's a growing trend and it, it's happening this is a big deal is it going to take over the the coconut water yes route? basically it's going to go there it's going to move the kombucha over in the coconut water and sort of uh-huh. cram those things to the side of the whole foods refrigerated section right on. would be my guess um yeah and also there's going to be a a vegan version of switchel of course in the no meat athlete cookbook i believe not quite as sure about that one as I am with the vegan bone broth one, but I, I am it's it's in testing right now. Great, Let's just say that. Very so, cool. So another big trend there. Uh, of course, we got Tart Cherries, who we said was our sponsor for this episode. Uh, if you have heard or been paying attention to Nomad Athlete for a while, then you know that my relationship with the with the cherries people goes pretty far back. Last year, all year long, I was an amb- ambassador for them. Uh, I myself am a big big fan of Tart Cherry Juice, and. Even the year before that, I did something with them where I did their Tart Cherries Challenge. So we can put some links to the show notes there. If you Google No Meat Athlete Tart Cherry Challenge, uh, you'll, you'll start to see the articles that I wrote. I think I wrote a series of three then. And last year, I wrote a bunch of things about the, the benefits for sleep, uh, recovery, all these different things. So I'm, I'm a fan of Tart Cherries. I mean, yes, sponsored by them. Have to disclose that, of course. Uh, but I really, really do think that 
they played a big role in fixing this shoulder problem I had. I had a really bad shoulder issue for a long time. Mm-hmm. Never really discovered what exactly it was. Um, but I think it came from sleeping with my arm like under my wife's pillow. Okay. Spooning type position. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, because it happened shortly after I met her is when it happened, which was now like 12 years ago. And I had this nagging shoulder issue since then. I couldn't couldn't do certain exercises in the gym, like reverse uh, pec flats. Like if you lay down on a bench and try to you lay face down on a bench, yep. hold weights down, let your arms hang with weights, and then have to lift, lift those up. up. Yeah, okay. That would just be the worst pain I could imagine in my shoulder. Hmm. Uh, and I just couldn't fix it because if I did push-ups, if I did pull-ups, all these things somehow managed to hurt that shoulder. And so many different activities, of course, involve putting your arm above your head, which right. do hurt it. So what was really surprising to me is when I did this Tart Cherries Challenge, this was now in 2013, uh, no, 2014, I wasn't running all that much, so it was hard for me to say, like, am I noticing the recovery benefits? Because that's one of the big things, is that uh, many, many studies have shown that the tart cherry juice, Montmorency tart cherry juice, can actually reduce recovery time and reduce inflammation in athletes, shown by all these different markers for inflammation and markers for muscle damage uh, in lots of studies. So that was hard for me to tell, because I hadn't been running up to that point. So it was hard to say, like, now that I'm drinking cherry juice, how is this affecting my running? Um, but I was kind of looking at that stuff, but then what sort of happened as a strange side effect was that my shoulder started feeling better after I think a week of doing this cherry juice twice a day. So I've kind of just been a fan since then, like even if it was just anti-inflammatory properties. Sure. But what I came to learn as I was reading more about this, uh, Scott Jurek, of course, great vegan ultra marathoner is a tart cherry juice fan. Uh, he uses it, it seems to me in kind of as like a replacement for ibuprofen. Like, because obviously that's a really huge thing in ultramarathons. Right. Um, if anyone here has run one, yeah, I would say even up to 50K distance, but especially longer than that. I mean, you can have ibuprofen and it is suddenly night and day difference. Like, everything is just falling apart, at least in my case. And pop an ibuprofen and suddenly for the next 40 minutes, you feel great again. Yeah. And that's a very sort of seductive you know, trap to fall into. Right. And people can start popping popping these things all the time. Too many ibuprofens. Right. Masking the... what I gathered is that Scott Jurek and others are using tart cherry juice as a natural way of of doing that, right? A a safer, natural way to be having anti-inflammatory stuff going on in your body during races, not just after, not just before, uh, although they do use it in those instances as well. Um, Even Dr. Greger, in his book, um, whatever it's called, How Not to Die... He, he recommends tart cherries in there, which I found somewhat interesting. Just didn't really expect that from Gregor, but uh, he did. Um, you know, th- I may have mentioned this to you before. I don't know. but So I have a running group that I go to every Wednesday, mm-hmm. and we end each run at a brewery. But there are a handful of people. It's becoming more and more popular, this group that take or that have bring tart, tart cherry juice with them and have a little bit before they switch over to beer, which, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just kind of this natural thing that um, people started gravitating towards within this within this small group and i thought that was pretty interesting yeah it's definitely it just seems to me like one of those things where there's little downside um i mean people have asked me before like well what do you do about the extra sugar intake i guess if you're paying that close attention to your diet then taking in 30 extra grams of sugar during the day would could potentially throw things off Uh, my answer has always been that i i make sure that one of my two servings each day is right before or after a workout which Mm -hmm. is really i believe a time when when the sugar does nothing but benefit you um, some might might disagree with that, but I mean, to me, it seems like that that sort of negates the fact that you're adding sugar to your diet at that point because 
it's actually helpful to you and I'd be eating sugar otherwise in some other form if it wasn't tart cherry juice at that point. Yeah. Um, on that note, actually, I mentioned examine.com. I'm a subscriber of their uh, premium product where every two weeks I get like a, a digest of, of their research and really, really good, well-written articles. As I said, always very fair and neutral. Uh, and they recently examined tart cherries and all the stuff, I mean, almost all the research so far has been on endurance athletes. And what they were looking at was a study of athletes doing like quick um, fast twitch muscle movements like squats and intense exercise lifting and uh, and even saw benefits for those athletes as well <laughs> which which was kind of interesting and, and a nice pleasant surprise so you cross sitters out there there you go drink that tart cherry juice did you see my tweet the other day on my facebook post my I first did. one in years <laughs> people did not like that <laughs> or some no people but did. i like it and i'm gonna repeat it here <laughs> the first rule of CrossFit is you do not not talk about CrossFit. Uh, <laughs> See what I did there? Kind of like Fight Club, except two knots. Uh, that was inspired by my going to the gym recently. I've been going to the gym more, as I've talked about here, and uh, noticing that there are people there who just talk about CrossFit the entire time. Like Even they at just, the gym? Yeah. I thought just, if you went, to, if you're a CrossFitter, you don't need to go to a traditional gym. It's like the CrossFit corner of the gym where like everybody writes on the wall what they're doing and like, oh. throws balls around. And... Oh, so there is like they do CrossFit <laughs> workouts and stuff at your gym? I, I think it's just like kind of rogue people on their own doing CrossFit oh. style workouts. But there's a wall, a whiteboard, they write stuff up there. Mm. I'm not anti-CrossFit. I'm really not. It just, I mean, people just talk about it like so much. But that's okay. <laughs> it seems like people, so it seems like vegans, it, is li- yeah. it has changed lives. Yes, so do vegans. We are guilty of talking about our thing. All ultra runners. Exactly. So nothing against CrossFit, but I do think it's funny. All right. What else we got? All right. So we have matcha. Matcha is is green tea that has been ground into a powder. Mm-hmm. Is there anything more than that, Doug? Is that, can you make your own matcha at home by buying green tea and grinding it into a powder? I don't know. Is it a, type, is it a certain type of green tea? I'm asking you, Doug. Can, I, you, can you stamp that with your approval? I, I can stamp matcha with my <laughs> approval, but I don't know how to make it. Okay. <laughs> Not important. Just buy matcha. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a powder green. looks like kind of like espresso, but it's green. Even thinner than that, I would say. It looks like green sugar. Brown sugar. Uh, powdered sugar, but green. Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. Agreed. Um, it, it, I don't... I mean, it doesn't taste like green tea to me. Have you had it? Yeah. Yeah. It's I've, very intense. Yes. I've done matcha shots before mm-hmm. and uh didn't really find them enjoyable but i mean you probably wouldn't find an espresso shot enjoyable the first time you did it either so right. probably an acquired taste um wouldn't find whiskey shots enjoyable either or or whatever that thing you but did picklebacks <laughs> those picklebacks. are enjoyable. Really enjoyable you don't even need to develop a taste <laughs> for those. those get the doug hey stamp of approval <laughs> um so matcha very popular growing in popularity it seems i think antioxidants is the thing when i talked to dr gregor a few weeks ago on this very podcast, I was asking him, uh, his, his whole thing is, it's silly to ask, is a food healthy or not? The question is, is it healthy compared to what? That's that's sort of his his framework that he's looking at health in. So I, I gathered from his book that he thought that he had a, a more positive outlook on coffee than a lot of people do. And I said, so coffee, you, you would say, is a health food? And he said, he said, no, I wouldn't because compared to green tea, which is going to get you the very similar desired goal of, of a caffeine buzz, um, that's better. Green tea is better. has has more antioxidants. Even if coffee has plenty of antioxidants, this goes back to that alcohol thing we've talked about, where it appears that alcohol is really only beneficial to people who don't otherwise take good care of themselves, and it seems to do some good things for them. I suspect. I mean, coffee, as as has been reported, is is the highest antioxidant source for a lot of Americans. It's not because coffee is some some amazing food. It's because most Americans don't eat berries and other things that have plenty of good anti- antioxidants. 
So anyway, green tea, healthier alternative to coffee, it seems. I still drink coffee myself because I like how it tastes better. Uh, but matcha is, I don't know, kind of the next level, right? I mean, it, matcha is more like coffee in terms of drinking something to get an immediate buzz. Whereas green tea, I mean, I guess you can if you drink enough of it. Right. But uh, it doesn't right. doesn't make you vibrate the way matcha supposedly does. I mean, the, the difference, and I guess we talked about how it was ground up, but the difference is you're actually consuming the leaves, right? right? And not just the byproduct of the leaf steeping in water right. have right? you made matcha yourself yeah you actually made it do you have like a whisk thing for it well so i i go to uh dobra tea mm-hmm. which is a tea place that's actually I think a national chain but um really i did not know that but there's a couple here in Nashville, uh, and they you can get matcha and they bring you out the powder and they bring you out the hot water and this little whisk type thing made out of bamboo i think yep and you kind of stir it up and mix it up and 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 drink it. I think that traditionally matcha is not really something you would like drink on the go or anything like that. It's it's part of a it's like a ceremony, right? A matcha drinking ceremony, like coffee used to be in Ethiopia and places like that. Um, you know, but we put our American spin on it, and we put our American spin on it. You know, but but you, but you, it's like a process, and you're supposed to enjoy the process, yes. and it's meditative and right, good exactly. for you, and that kind of thing. Yeah, and there's even like a specific matcha stance you assume when you when you whisk it up. Yeah, I don't. Know. I, I don't. I didn't. I didn't assume any did, no. special <laughs> stance. No, I just sat. Uh, yeah. So, so that yeah, that that is matcha. I guess you can start to think of it as as a another form of espresso if you want to put this American spin on it. I guess that's an American spin. Espresso. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't think that's an American spin. <laughs> no, but we we are the espresso culture. I mean, right? I mean, it, it's of course espresso is an Italian spin, but we have taken that to put four of them in our drink now. Oh, right. And yeah. So with a bunch of. Uh... <laughs> Sugar and uh, yeah. whole pumpkin milk and spice. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> so it seems to me that matcha is going that way slowly. Um, but no, I have no doubt it's a health food. I mean, in in some certain quantities, I guess now that you're actually consuming the, the tea leaves themselves, we talked about maybe it's somehow healthier because it's a whole food form of green tea, not just a steeped form, right? Right. Um, so if you're if you're into the the whole foods idea and that's your that's your criterion for health, then then there you go. But uh, it also gives you a greater caffeine buzz for that reason because you're mm-hmm. you've ground it up so finely, and now you're actually consuming the whole thing uh, rather than just what is extracted from water. You know, I have become a fan of caffeine on race day. Um, oh yeah, yeah, uh, and and for like longer races, longer ultras, I will actually, you know, have caffeine in a drop bag. I have some sort of espresso something mm-hmm. and drink, um, and. I think I'm gonna start playing around with some green tea as an alternative to that. I think it'll be easier on my stomach. Seems like a good idea, and more antioxidants. And more antioxidants. So maybe good. I'll try the matcha. All right. So the stamp of I'll approval re- is, is given. <laughs> All right. Uh, so our last one. We've done a lot of like drinks. This one actually is not a drink, although I guess you could make it into a drink. Uh, and that is turmeric powder, or, or turmeric root in general, not the powder. Although the powder, of course, is probably the most convenient form for most people. Come to think of it, there actually is turmeric in a sports drink, uh, Vegas Sport. Their their sports oh, really? drink. I don't know if, if they've changed the recipe, but that used to have turmeric in it. Interesting. And as a result, would turn hydration bladders yellow. <laughs> oh. It made them look really bad. Um, <laughs> Gross. Yeah, but uh, it did that. Uh, turmeric. I mean, I think everyone probably knows what turmeric is. It's, in my experience, most often used in Indian curries. It's one of three or four spices that seem to make up almost every curry recipe you ever try. Um, it comes from a root, looks a lot like ginger root when you buy it in the store. Uh, has a very, very 
radiant yellow color that is due to something called curcumin. And it seems that that, according to Dr. Greger's book, I know I keep mentioning Dr. Greger here. He's like our new uh, Leo Bavalta, I guess. <laughs> uh, he, he talks about all the great benefits that have been ascribed to this curcumin. And uh, it seems that anti, anti-inflammatory, the, the anti-inflammatory properties are probably the most obvious benefit of turmeric. Uh, however, there's a bunch of other stuff too, really a ton more other stuff. Um, one of which is this idea that, that, that it, can prevent DNA damage just just from taking an eighth a teaspoon a day, uh, and and Gregor recommends a quarter teaspoon a day. From taking that much, one eighth teaspoon per day, uh, if you if you were to look at your blood and then look at the amount of free radical damage that occurs, I think in the course of, of a few days, um, there's like fifty percent less damage that happens from free radicals from just consuming one eighth teaspoon of turmeric per day. So. Uh, appears to be just a, a super valuable food. Gregor gives this Gregor's daily dozen these twelve foods that you should consume daily. Uh, one of the things that he recommends consuming daily is one quarter teaspoon of turmeric, uh, which to me is is really interesting. In fact, he says it's so potent that he, you know, we don't really know how much is safe. Like anything that, that that's that potent probably becomes not a good thing after too much. He says traditionally in Indian diets, uh, about a teaspoon a day of turmeric is, is either typical or recommended. He says he's not willing to go kind of quite that far, but it says a quarter teaspoon a day uh, is going to give you most or all the benefits with, with very little risk of having too much. Very cool. So what do you think, Doug? Is that you you're going to stamp that one? I will stamp that one too. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I stamp most of these. I'm feeling good about Doesn't these. Doesn't seem like your stamp is very hard to earn. Oh, it is. <laughs> <laughs> we just pick some good ones. Okay. Good. <laughs> That's good to know. People can take comfort in that. Yep. All right, uh, so those are our, our seven health trends. I'm pretty happy with those trends. I think th- those are legitimate trends. Those things are are happening. Yeah, right. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not even in on this, and and a good <laughs> five of those I hear about, and I don't hear about a lot of things. I hear about only the cream of the crop has to has to rise. Has to everyone's got to be tweeting about it for me to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the fact that I've heard of most of those things is uh, is pretty good. Well, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna pick up some tart cherry juice and I'm gonna pick up some shiitake mushrooms. Good and wonderful. It's gonna be great. Make some shiitake bacon <laughs> and drink some cherry juice. With and it. drink some cherry juice. Very nice. My wife Erin is drinking uh, cherry juice for. She's having some IT band issues while she's running, and uh, and that was something I recommended to her. Huh. So just do the do the twice a day cherry juice. All right. So thank you for listening. Hope you've enjoyed the episode. We will be back next time with another interview. We're kind of in a nice little rhythm here of alternating interviews with uh, with Matt and Doug episodes, and uh, seems to be working. Yeah. So we'll, we'll keep that up like that. for the foreseeable future. All right. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. I'll talk.